Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Health Wealth Podcast. We've got another great episode coming for you this week. I've got another guest with me today. So we're joined by Anthea McCourty, who is also a, a, a transformational coach. And we're going to speak to her today. So Anthea, first of all, welcome to the show. And how are you today? Thank you. Uh, I'm good. I'm really good, actually. Uh, I'm not normally uh, an evening person. So, yeah, you can tell I'm excited to be here because I'm, uh, I'm not flagging yet <laughs> <laughs> that's good it's good to hear that's good to hear um so I think if, if first of all if you give us a bit of background on on yourself and um, what it is you do and then and then we can maybe hear a little bit about your journey that got you there yeah sure so um yeah I'm a transformation coach um which is a term that I gave myself because it was just easier to encapsulate um, the range of what I do. So I'm a registered nutritional therapist, I'm a personal trainer, and a yoga instructor. And so I specialize in working uh, with people to help them unleash their confidence, rediscover how good they're meant to feel, um, kind of using all three of those modalities plus lifestyle management as well. So um, I specialize in the transformation side of things. Um, and so I thought that was easier to sum up as uh, describing myself as a transformation coach. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so um yeah my journey um into that I didn't kind of just decide I wanted to be um a transformation coach I growing up I um was always very active as a kid um and then you know like most of us you get to your teens and then you know other stuff becomes way more important way more exciting um but also in my teens and I was a teen in the 90s when uh, skinny was everything you can open a magazine without you know seeing someone totally emaciated and so I became really obsessed with this idea of dieting you know when you hit puberty your body changes and you know especially as a woman you start to to gain weight um and so yeah I was just like obsessed with calorie counting I knew like in the most geekiest way I knew the calorie content of most foods and so it really distorted my approach to health and and food and um yeah, I think so many of us kind of grew up in that environment and it's really difficult to unlearn. But eventually I left school, I went off to do an economics degree, didn't really do anything with it, had like, you know, a couple of depression episodes in uni. In my early 20s, I started in sales and, um, you know, I, I partied hard. I, I would say I worked hard, but I really didn't I was more in the party hard yeah. side of things so you know I was living off caffeine I was drinking wine at lunch because we all did and you know more wine in the evenings um you know the the trolley lady in our building would come round, and so it's like bacon butties at uh you know 11 o'clock and just this really really unhealthy unsustainable um lifestyle and uh yeah it was it was one of these extreme TV shows, um, it was, you are what you eat. And, you know, they got a typical family eating junk and had them, you know, in these ultra um, sort of over the top health foods and, and saw their transformation. And I got really interested in that. And I thought, actually, I'd love to learn about this kind of properly. 
um, because I changed how I ate and totally transformed my health. Um, I lost loads of weight, um, which, you know, was was a massive bonus for me because that was what I'd been obsessed with for so long. Um, but actually, I kind of wanted to learn more. And so that prompted me to um, do a degree in nutritional therapy. And that just completely opened my eyes, completely changed my approach to nutrition. And, you know, surprise, surprise, it's not all about the numbers. And um, it's actually just, yeah, it, it turned things to a really positive approach for me, actually learning what different foods do in the body um, rather than just constantly thinking about, okay, what do I need to avoid? What can I take out? What can I restrict? Which is just a miserable way of being. So yeah, I I started doing that. And then um, further on down the line, I got really into um, martial arts. I was doing Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, MMA. Um, and, you know, I did that as a form of exercise, but actually it just kind of took over my life in a skills learning way, a social way. And then, you know, as a wonderful byproduct, you know, I got the fittest that I'd ever been. Um, I think a, a couple of years into it, when I was in my early 30s, like my resting heart rate was like 41, 42. Like I just got so fit. Um, but it just really changed my perspective on like, actually, just just do what you love, do what's fun. And then you'll get these lovely health benefits. Like I really started focusing more on the mental side. Um, then I got sorry, this is a really long story as to how I got <laughs> to where I am. It's good. We, we like the detail. We <laughs> um, like it. But uh, yeah, I actually injured my shoulder. I had a torn anterior labrum. And the consultant said that I would need surgery on it. Um, and that meant nine months off the mat, which was kind of disastrous for me. But it also coincided with a tax rebate. And so I was like, right, this is my chance. I'm going to do my personal training qualification. It just kind of makes sense because I'd always wanted to expand on the nutritional therapy. So, yeah, I did that. And then I never quite got back to properly going back to martial arts I think sometimes when you have an injury it just changes things in like how you perceive your body you, you get very wary about getting injured again and so it almost makes it less safe because you're holding your body differently um so I sort of stopped that around the time that I went off to do a yoga teacher training course um I'd love to say that I was really yogic and I just wanted to expand my knowledge. But the truth of it is I wanted a holiday and I couldn't justify <laughs> taking one. Um, a friend of mine in the office was like, oh, I did this amazing yoga Thai massage course. And I was like, great. He was like, that was out in Goa. And I was like, okay. I was like, actually, hold on. Why don't I just do a yoga course out there? So I went, don't get me wrong. It was hard work. It was intensive four weeks with lunch times at the beach obviously so it's not like <laughs> it was a struggle but um but yeah I did that and then I was like I came back I'd been building the business part-time working part-time in an office in the NHS I was like no I just need to go fully into it and then just over time I've sort of niched I've found my specialty area which is all about 
building that confidence, you know, incorporating weight loss and, and energy boosting and hormone balance, et cetera, into it. But that's the part that really gets me alive, just that whole empowerment aspect and, and taking a really positive approach um, to our health. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, it's that is in, that is important. You said the the mindset and that taking that. You know, I, I was thinking it earlier when you said about the transformational coach was how you decided to describe it and you had all these different mm. areas because that's true because the, you know, the real health, there's so many different areas. It's not one thing. Yeah. We, we like to oversimplify it, don't we, down to one yes. thing. Yes, yeah. Do you know what? That's something that I get asked so much. You know, it's that sort of dinner party conversation. Oh, what's the one thing that we should be eating? What's yeah. the one supplement? And it's like, well, it doesn't work like that because – they were all different, but we're all at different stages in our health journey. We've all got different needs and, you know, yes, we're all human, but, you know, the way that I work with one client is very different to how I might work with her next door neighbor, you know, and so it's, it's nice if we can simplify things, but sometimes you do have to look at the bigger, more complex picture and then simplify it from that. But um, yeah, it just it just makes sense to to take a holistic approach. Yeah, I think so. There's so many things that affect it so much, and it's almost a holistic approach, but still just doing the basics, isn't it? It's it's not yeah. that overcomplicated. It's just you know get like you said about supplements. People always oh I want to find this and that. Just just mm. just get your basics in order first. Get sleeping right. Get eating a bit better, and, yeah. and go from there. Yeah, I think we're so. Um, keen to find out the the next hack or the next sexy yeah. thing that we should be doing and you know don't get me wrong I love a good hack and I love finding you know some amazing research that says that you know they're doing this can change everything but that's not gonna it's either gonna have like a minimal or no effect or it's just not gonna give you as much effect as if it would if you'd got the basics right so um I think Sometimes we can kind of misperceive, I'll think of a better word for that, um, what we're actually currently doing. So I have so many clients coming to me and they're like, okay, I need some help because, yeah, my diet's healthy. But actually, once they do their, you know, food diary before they see me and we go through it, there's actually a lot of improvement that we can make. And I think sometimes we get so attached to this idea of a healthy diet being just the absence of junk food, when actually there's so much scope within that area, you know, to get your portions right, to get, you know, your proportions of different food groups. You know, so many of my clients aren't eating nearly enough vegetables as they need to be eating. They're overcompensating with their starchy carbs, et cetera, which is impacting their health goals. And actually when we spend time going through that, it can have a massive difference in their health goals. And, um, you know, I have a client who I've worked with recently and literally we just started giving her a bedtime, cut out alcohol during the week, started dialing in the blood sugar balance in her meals into week two she was like so excited she said to me my energy is just through the roof and it was just really simple changes we hadn't even gone on to the supplements we hadn't even gone to any kind of testing or anything fancy it was just really dialing in the basics which can 
have a huge impact. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. That's, that's one of the things that always makes me laugh actually is not at least 90% of the time that, that someone will come to me and I'll speak to them and I'll ask them, what kind of diet do you eat? 90% of the time they'll say, yeah, I eat healthy every yeah. single time. <laughs> Everyone thinks they eat healthy. And then you mm. say, okay, yeah, but what do you actually eat? And then they start going through it. And like you said, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe not this and that. But I mean, I suppose that is down to the amount of, you know, the misinformation that's out there, oh, plus the poor nutritional guidelines that are given out. Yeah. And it's it's hard for people to maneuver, isn't it? When they're, when they're not experts in it, they just follow what they're given, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it's it's so confusing when I did my nutritional therapy degree that was like 2006 I started that so you know of course information has has changed and I'm always um you know not only is it a requirement in my associations but you know I always want to keep on top of of um you know uh the the sort of more recent studies etc but um there was so much unlearning that I had to do back then. And it's still a struggle, even though most of us know by now that, you know, we don't need to cut all the fat out from our diet. Um, you know, all of this stuff. For some people, it still really is a struggle when they're used to this whole, you know, calorie counting, fat is bad. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, my clients who will have muesli or cereal with a skim milk for breakfast might have a little glass of orange juice chopped banana in it and it's like back in the 80s 90s that would have been considered brilliant but when you're actually explaining about actually that's just a whole load of carbs and a lot of quite simplified sugars and just sugar itself and I'm like okay well that's actually setting you up for a really crappy day in terms of your energy and everything else and yeah, the education just isn't there on, on a basic level. So it, yeah, it can be a tricky one. Like, I get the occasional client that's like, yeah, my, my diet's shit. I eat loads <laughs> of crap <laughs> and I love it. Cause it's like, okay, brilliant. Cause yeah. the only way that we can go is up from here. That's it, at least they're honest. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes, yeah, it is you, food can be such an emotive subject as well. So you know, when somebody says my diet's pretty healthy, I don't want to just shit all over that. I, I want them to, you know, I want to appreciate that, you know, they're, they're making the effort, but actually there's tweaks that we can make to that. Um, and it's just a question of, yeah, of kind of learning what's going to work for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's got to be personalized, hasn't it? Everything. Yeah as you said people are at different stages different things will work for different people and it's mm -hmm. finding it and as you said doing it gradually like for some people like you could just remove bread and it could literally change their life yeah but, you know it could, it could be just one thing can't it and then I feel like once they start to see things working then they begin to trust the process a bit more yes yeah and uh and I think also sometimes it can be interesting to gauge what people's perceptions are so I was working with one of my clients this lunchtime and, um, you know, we're, we're just coming into week four. So about three and a half weeks in and, you know, I asked her how she was feeling overall. And she was like, yeah, I'm losing some weight, but you know, I'm losing it in the bigger picture. And I said, well, what weight have you lost? She said, oh, about three or four kilos. I'm like, that's brilliant for what we're doing. We don't want to be going faster than that. And so, you know, the last thing that 
we want is for someone to get despondent, but actually it's really important to understand that things are a process. And so wherever you're starting from, you know, if you want it to be sustainable, then it needs to be a gradual process. But I was just smiling at her. I was like, three to four kilos is brilliant for what you're doing. It's like, just, you know, keep up the good work. We're doing well. Let's keep going. But um, yeah, I think, I think as well in social media, it puts a picture. We're very used to seeing transformation photos of people without really knowing what's properly gone on behind the scenes. We might see somebody's food intake. We might see how they're working out. But actually, we don't get to see like the mindset changes um, and all the other lifestyle factors that have gone into those changes. So I think that's something that's that's worth bearing in mind. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't you don't see everything that's gone into it. You just see the before and after photo and mm. you don't even know how how their journey went. You you see the start and the end. You don't know what happened in the middle. They could have been up yeah. and down a bit and whatever, you know. And like you said, sustainable is the key thing. You know, that there was what was the show in America, the biggest loser or something. Yes. And the yeah. majority of them people regained all of their weight. Yes. You well, know, they, they gained more back mm. because they just kind of yeah, it it was too quick. Um yeah, yeah I, it was just just too much. Mm. Yeah. I, I have a real thing like I'm a competitive person. I love a bit of competition, but weight loss as a competition, I really, really, really struggle with. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think when you're just looking at the figures, like it's great when somebody says, I want to lose X amount of weight. Brilliant. So we've got a goal. I have to peel back the layers, you know, what does that mean to you? Because you could stand on the scale now, it could say that number, but but would anything have changed? So I think, yeah, I, th I think it's really important to, that we don't just focus on that number or that after picture, because in that after picture, somebody could be really miserable. Yeah. Um, when I first changed my diet after watching this, you know, the, this program on TV and I sort of bought the book and, you know, I, I went really extreme and this was, yeah, 2005, I was doing this. So, you know, the shops didn't have like, if you ask someone in the supermarket for quinoa, they'd look at you like you were <laughs> talking another language. Um, so, you know, I'm sure loads of it was just that I couldn't find what I, eat to, I, I needed to eat most of yeah. the time. Um, and I lost a lot of weight, but um, yeah, I, I, I lost the weight. I went to like the slimmest I'd ever been to the point where people were asking if I was okay. But I also remember at the time, well, I remember after, cause I didn't really pick up at the time, I was experiencing another bout of depression, which just sort of manifested itself in a, in a different way. But so I kind of knew actually, you know, it, it's not all about the weight loss. Like I need nutrition that's gonna support me mentally as well which again was was another prompt for me to then go and, and do this nutritional therapy degree but um yeah I just I think sometimes we get so caught up in weight that we lose sight of actually what's behind it what's behind those pictures um and that's really important yeah you're absolutely right and there's so much that goes into weight I mean weight's only one metric but you know muscle weighs more than fat you know as we mm. know so if you're losing fat and putting muscle on the, the scale could not move but in a picture you might look like a different person yes yeah 
and of course to overall health like you were just talking about there with your mental health health is everything yeah so you know we have to take that into account and unfortunately like we said before the health industry just has this obsession with with weight and yeah. health, health is about so much more than that so yeah trying to get people to understand that and have a more holistic approach is definitely important to it all I think yeah, I mean, I've been in conversations when somebody started to ask me more about what I do and if I could help them with a particular thing. And someone else is saying, oh, well, you don't need it, you're skinny or or whatever. And it's <laughs> like, oh, my goodness, that that's not <laughs> the yeah. measure of, of, of health. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a strange view we have. Yeah, like you say, it's still we're still kind of stuck in that, as you say, like back mm. in the the nineties or whatever, and and that was the thing, and and we're still stuck in it. That stuff that's in the past, like the low fat and and all of this yeah. as well. We we kind of struggle to move on from these things. They're ingrained in our minds, and so we just go about our day believing those things to be true. And we have to. Yeah. You you used the correct word earlier, unlearn. Yeah. Everyone who's gone on this kind of journey, like we have, you have to start with unlearning what you've yeah. learned. And it's hard. It's mm. really difficult. I have women, it's mainly women who, who I work with, but they come to me and they're so confused by food um, that literally I've had a lady say to me, you know, when I'm asking what food she likes, she says, I just don't know anymore. And that, you know, as somebody who loves food, that's just devastating to hear because we're lucky enough that we have this abundance of food. You know, even if we're not well off, we all have access to food. Um, I'm pretty much, I'm making a very broad statement. I'm, you know, <laughs> but most of us have access to food, and so we can enjoy it. And I think, you know, if we're we're lucky enough, we can not only buy food that we enjoy, but buy food that tastes that that is healthy for us and tastes good, and we enjoy. So. Yeah, I don't think that you have to sacrifice one for the other. No, absolutely not. Food should be enjoyed. I I enjoy my food more now than I did w when I ate, you know, a, what would be considered a normal standard diet. Yeah. Um and and I think with, you know, with any whatever type of diet you're eating or whatever type of food, I think anything for, for people who say oh that's boring, that's got no taste whatever that I my opinion on that is that you can't cook like if yeah. any food can be made to be to be nice I think yeah I mean all all it takes is you know using different spice combinations herbs there are just so many flavors out there even you know stir fry sauces when I explain to people you know you don't need to buy these sugary sauces you can buy the frozen pre-chopped stuff you can you can garlic ginger chilies little soy sauce loads of flavor some herbs in there um but yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people don't have confidence. Um, and I think, yeah, I think cooking is is quite a big skill that's kind of lost. Yeah. Now. Yeah, I think you're completely right. And that is true. It, convenience has has killed us, hasn't it? Yeah. We, we want everything now. We're busy. We just, I just want to eat. I don't want to cook. I want to order it, have it to my door or heat yes. up a frozen meal. It, it's it's yeah. sad, isn't it? Yeah. And it's frustrating because you know, clients will ask me about meal delivery services and sometimes we can work around it, but even the majority of those don't have the uh, the proportions that mm. I would want for my clients. There's never enough veg in there. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're quite sort of heavy on, on the starchy carbs. And, yeah, it's, it's quite frustrating because 
there doesn't need to be a lot of time spent in the kitchen, but I think it's, you know, getting that confidence is crucial um, for a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. Like like you say, it's, you know, you can cook a decent meal in 15, 20 minutes, you know, 20 to 30 minutes doesn't have to be long. And I, I yeah. feel it, I feel it's good for you overall as well, because I think actually cooking, and getting in there and making it makes you enjoy mm. it more mentally I think it yeah. helps you as well and it, it's an activity you can look forward to and helps you to be more positive overall um about it so I, I think it has a lot of benefits but like you say it's kind of getting people to change that mindset to to look at it that way yeah I, I see it as a real form of self-care mm. like when you're preparing your food um you know just before I jumped on here I did my dinner I literally did some cod in the air fryer I had because I always like to sort of you know double up on things I had some frozen marinade sauce I'd had in the freezer last time I made something up just used that chopped up a salad with it like less than 15 minutes and it was just done easy minimal washing up because I did the parchment in the air fryer (laughs) that's it (laughs) yeah that's it it's it's not that hard it's getting getting people to just to is helping them with it isn't it I mean that and that's uh, a lot of the job of a coach is just just guiding mm. people on you know and helping them learn how to do these things and then you know they're they're self-sufficient and and stuff becomes easy for them yeah and I think that's where the empowerment side of things really comes in because you know it, it's great when you work with somebody um they can be there to be accountable to um and handhold to a certain extent but I want my clients not to need me yeah. by the end of it um, you know, I'm always there for for check-ins after, but I think, yeah, if you can build upon that knowledge and I, I think it's all a kind of snowball effect. And I'm I'm sure you found this as you started learning, you wanted to to find out more and more. And I think, yeah, if if you start cooking a few meals for yourself, then you get interested and you want to to try out more and more things. So I think, you know, sometimes a little bit of time and patience can really pay off in giving you that sort of independence so that you can, yeah, so you can keep up what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. And empowering is the correct word. Like you said, I think it's, I, I say to people, you know, I don't do anything to make you better. You make yourself better. You know, yeah. we can we can guide you and give you advice, but you make yourself better and healthier by the things you do so it is giving them that power because i think that really when when we the mainstream stuff that we're fed from whether it's medical stuff or or nutritional people kind of feel like they don't have any power they're just going through yeah. life and, and they get what they get so it's good to give that back yeah and i think you know it's, it's that double-edged sword i think of social media and and what we're exposed to on the internet you know there's a lot of good information out there there's obviously a lot of nonsense information and there's a lot of scaremongering and that's one thing that really pisses me off in this industry um you know i get that we're all encouraged whatever marketing gurus or you know courses we do like you know attention grabbing yeah. um headlines or captions or whatever but i'm really really wary to do that because i think there's also a lot of anxiety around food and and I I get this when I speak to people initially they're like I just don't know what to eat and there's there's a lot of anxiety and let's face it most of us are going through life with some level of anxiety you know um from work life whatever and I just don't think that food should be one of those things so I think 
if you're going to warn people about something, give them something that's in their control. So it's like, you know, for example, um, salmon. I'm like, go if if you're going for salmon, go for wild salmon because it's going to have a lot less toxins than than your farmed varieties. If you can't afford that, no problem. Go for another oily fish, mackerel, sardines, dirt cheap in comparison. But it's just giving people information and choices that aren't going to terrify them and and leave them feeling powerless. So, yeah, that that's one thing that really just grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. And like you say, it's if you can give them an option, if you say don't eat this, but you could replace it with this rather than yeah. just don't eat this and that's it. And then they're like, OK, well, what what's next? Um, yeah. And you're, you're right with it. Anxiety is is a big thing around food. And they say people are confused. Mm. And obviously one of those things is with the calorie. I know you said with calorie counting, you were, you know, you had, you were kind of really big on that for a while. And mm. that, that probably affects you a bit. What give us a little bit of, of background on that and, and how you kind yeah. of got over that. Cause that's something people um, struggle with a lot, I think. Yeah. That, um, so yeah, I, I would, Oh God, as a teenager, like give myself these ridiculous <laughs> calorie um, allowances each day, which were just totally unrealistic. Um, and then I kind of stepped away from that, but I was still doing the low fat thing. Um, and it was actually when I went to university, one of my um, flatmates, she kind of just really got me more into healthy eating um, and yeah and then I left university went into my sales job was was unhealthy and then I just like I said discovered this new way of just really focusing on what the nutrients could do with your body do for your body and and that one you know got me learning but I'd moved away from that calorie counting I was I was I think at the time yeah at the time I'd actually qualified I'd, I'd got my nutrition degree um and then with the martial arts I competed um a few times and um I had to weigh in um now for two of those I had to weigh in and like at a lower weight which is kind of the norm um but I really really struggled with that because at the time I was happy with how my body was um because that had always been my driver you know I want to get skinny so that I can like look a certain way and I've gone past wanting to be skinny I just wanted to to sort of be slim and knowing that I had to hit a target weight was just awful. So I had to kind of, because I had a limited amount of time to do that and I had to be a certain number, um, you know, I did go down the calorie route, sort of alternate date, sort of calorie restriction, um, very different to how I might intermittent fast now. But, you know, I, I hit the weight but it really, really messed me up afterwards. It took me a long time, like as in months, to get back to eating normally. It took me back to like a binge cycle, which, and I hadn't been down that road. I mean, I had what I would say was disordered eating rather than an actual eating disorder because in my teens, because I gave myself these stupid calorie restrictions, I would break them. And then it was like, right, sod it. It's a binge day. And so rather than just like carrying on and eating normally, it would be a massive binge. And that's how 
I kind of came out of of the other side of those competitions where I had to weigh in like I don't know four or five kilos lighter than I was um and no one was forcing me to do it I wanted to do it I have to say it wasn't like you know the coaches weren't like you have to go in and it was just like I want to do this yeah yeah I can do that um because it is quite sort of accepted in that um environment you know and and it's mainly guys um, in that environment and guys lose weight differently to, to women. And a lot of you can lose a lot of water weight and weigh in and be fine. Whereas it doesn't always work like that for women. Um, you know, we've, we've got these damn hormones that mess things up, um, you know, in a different, different levels to yours. So yeah, that was just, it was an eye opener. It was horrible but it was an eye opener, um, like a reminder that actually there's a lot of people out there that are still experiencing this kind of level of restriction and um, and getting messed up from it. So, um, yeah, I won't be doing that again. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was an experience. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. There's there's tons of crazy um cutting stories from you know within boxing or mma or other things there's crazy yeah. things they do i to, mean i had like same way same day weigh-ins but you know was you know i struggled mm. i was you know everyone would have thought oh nutritional therapist you know it'd be easy for you but actually no it wasn't because i didn't want to be that's not a weight i would choose to be and it was just like a, a it was not designed to be a sustainable weight it was designed to be an on the day like we'll put on kilos as soon as I drink this coconut water or whatever. Um, so yeah, I was in the sauna at like 10 o'clock at night, you know, the night before <laughs> cooling yeah. off by going for a swim rather than drinking like, Oh, just horrible, stupid yeah. stuff. Like yeah. I, you know, I knew better than to rely on the water weight um, stuff, but yeah. 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 I think I, I don't like to use calories at all. Cause I think, I think there's, two big dangers with calories one is that calorie restriction is not sustainable you, you no. can't you can't keep it up um and and the second danger is that when people are obsessed with calories they're not thinking about nutrition when you talk mm. talked you mentioned about the nutrients you weren't thinking about nutrients and if people no. are obsessed with calories you know our body yes our body needs energy to run but any food will give our body energy we need to concentrate yeah. on, on the nutrients don't we yeah i think you know Yes, if you eat too much, you will gain weight. Um, but yeah, it, it's just as such a narrow way of thinking that just it doesn't even cover the full picture. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of our calorie extraction from foods depends on what's going on in our gut. If our gut microbiome is all messed up, then that's going to impact it. Um, you know, our level of sleep is going to impact our hunger hormones and satiety hormones and you know I think quite often this calories in calories out sort of assumes that your your body is devoid of emotions and and you know it's like this it, we're not an input output machine so you know if you've not slept well you've not had good sleep for a couple of nights I don't know about I feel like I'm a bottomless pit if I've had like yeah. there's nothing that quenches that hunger um and yeah, you know, hormones, stress hormones, insulin, you know, all of this impacts our body's ability to store and burn fat. So yeah, it's just, 
I think it's yes, it is part of the picture, but there's so much that impacts that that model of of how calories are extracted and, and burnt off. And and like you say, it doesn't take into account what's actually going on nutrient wise because you know we need cofactors for for using energy efficiently and if we're eating a diet that's stripped of of all those sort of you know vitamins and minerals from food if it's overly processed then you know that that does impact um what our body's doing with that energy so yeah i just i it's it's just one of those things that when I hear people talking about calories, you know, just, just like randomly in the, in like the supermarket or in the street after like deep breaths, <laughs> don't go and insert yourself into the conversation. Don't, don't shout across the room. <laughs> it has become just a, such a common thing, hasn't it? It's just, everyone knows calories and everyone will talk. So even when, although I don't like to use calories, when I talk to people at some point, I will measure stuff in calories because that's just what people understand, isn't yeah. it? even yeah. though it's like yeah don't measure everything by calories but still like how much of this like well this many calories it's like mm. it's just become part of it yeah i just i did some temping work during lockdown um because obviously so many of us couldn't <laughs> do anything and um so i went back to the nhs and, and was working in an office and there was a lady um sort of across the office and i heard her saying oh well i like this soup holding up one of these sort of awful powdered packets but this one's got less calories um and I was just like you know obviously my ears pricked up and and I I later went to have a look at them and I mean it was 10 calories difference between them one was like 47 the other 57 and I'm looking at it and the ingredients just are so much crap like just all this stuff I'm just thinking this can't taste good mm. But you're going for this one because it's let, like 10 calories. I was just like, oh, that just makes me really sad. I know. Because you've kind of been sucked in. Not sucked in because that almost makes it seem like, you know, they're silly. But, you know, it, when people are still trapped in that calorie mindset, it's it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it is. And it's, you know, even there probably wasn't even 10 calories of difference in those packets because the other thing is that it's wildly inaccurate. Yeah. You know, the, the amount of calories on it. Plus we have no idea how many calories our bodies are using. That will change exactly. day to day. Like you said. All, and it's different from person to person. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, poor night's sleep, you're going to have a different metabolic rate the next yeah. day than you would have the day after. So it's just, it's impossible to actually accurately track it. Yeah. Which is why, as you said, it's part of it. You eat, you eat more of the, if you're eating a certain food and you eat more of the same food, and you don't you're not using up any more energy yeah mm. you might put weight on but it's not just as easy as in and out like you said i always hear people say about oh the first law of thermodynamics and all this the when there's a right <laughs> calories it's like well, the law of thermodynamics applies to a closed system which yeah. we are not a closed system no it doesn't no. really apply to us um and then as you said our hormones have a huge effect on things like that as well um, mm. and it's just not as simple as that so yeah i, I like to just stick with looking at the nutrition of food let's give your body what it needs yeah and then if we're giving it the base of what it needs we can easily increase or decrease the amounts based yeah. on how your body's responding that's a healthier way to do it i think yeah i just love that approach and i, th I think it really does keep give people so much more control and and that sense of actually loving their body when mm. when they think about nourishing it and you know even though i start with clients like at their at whatever starting point is appropriate for them 
one of the things that I always like to do, one of the reasons why I wanted to work holistically is that actually for so many people, once they start to discover what their body's capable of physically, that really also encourages that need and want to nourish themselves and look after that. Because I think it's really difficult to start loving yourself if you're just focusing on, on what you look like. And so I just think that a really big piece of that nourishment puzzle is actually find out what your body can do, find out what it's capable of. And then you just, something kind of clicks and you just want to actually look after it more. Even in a subconscious way, it's it's difficult for me to describe, but I just see it so often. Um, and I know it in myself when I get injured and I, oh, I've had so many injuries over the last year, um, it really impacts how I nourish myself. And of course, that's the time when you want to be, you know, eating extra well almost so that your body can repair. But when I'm not moving up and about, it impacts how I eat. So I just think that everything is is so linked that way. But it's like the kind of almost like the hidden part of of nourishment just to actually give that impetus of of movement see what you can do yeah yeah i agree i think movement's a big part of it and movement like like you said earlier um in fact i was going to touch you and said earlier about you got into into um your martial arts mm. and that was your movement like pe people associate yeah. exercise with you've got to go to the gym and you've got to do this and that but movement is very different to just killing yourself in the gym and it's finding yeah. what works for you isn't it yeah and I think we all go through just different phases of life I used to love the gym you know in my um in my early 20s I loved being at the gym it was like my place but then yeah doing martial arts I love that and the idea of going into a gym like yeah obviously you can do that to to support yourself but it would just seemed boring um and I, I, I do think we need lots of different aspects of, of movement. Um, but I just think it's so important to find something that you love. And, you know, with my shoulder injury, because I, I injured it again, I've actually got grade four osteoarthritis in um, my right shoulder, which at the time the consultant said was like the youngest person that he'd seen with it. So, yeah, I did feel quite special. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Um, so, you know, he sort of said, well, unless you want a replacement for your shoulder in 20 years, maybe change. So I was like, okay, I'll change yeah. to something different. Started trail running, love that. Um, because I used to find running boring, but actually going out in the middle of Box Hill, like doing the hike trail, it's just beautiful. That was lovely. But then I kind of needed something else. So I started, um, I hit 40 and then thought, oh, this is my fuck it 40s. I'm like just <laughs> doing stuff that I want to do. So I took up um, pole dancing. I took up pole fitness, which I'd always wanted to do um, and climbing as well. And they actually complement each other really well. Uh, weirdly enough, they're both sort of, you know, quite shoulder heavy, but it's yeah. not it's not unpredictable movement like in martial arts. But I've, I've found things that I love again. And, you know, they especially the climbing that turned out to be incredibly social um which I never thought it would be so I kind of got that aspect back from it um and I've made some really good friends climbing um and then pole like that just kind of appeals to the kid in me it's like wow look what I can do and 
you know, I, I did the equivalent of sending WhatsApp to my mum's instead of, you know, <laughs> the mum putting a picture that the kid drew up on the fridge. It's like she gets WhatsApp, <laughs> mum, look what I can do. So that, you know, that appeals to me. And I think we've all got things that appeal to us that different physical activities can give, whether that's dancing, whether it's going to join a local five-a-side, just I think you need to find what you enjoy physically but find the missing aspects like you know brazilian jiu-jitsu that's great problem solving same thing with climbing um you know if you do like to showboat or whatever then yeah you're dancing your pole then then i think there's we need to look at things not just from the physical perspective but also from the mental perspective because i think the physical might get you going so, you know, wanting to get stronger, wanting to get more mobile, you know, that can get you going. But if you ask anybody who's like a real regular at whatever sport they do, why? They'll tell you they'll go insane if they don't. Like, there's just that, it gives you so much mental benefits um, that I think you've you've got to look at those. You've got to look at all the benefits if it's going to be something that you keep up. And yeah, I, I think, you know, you've got to find something that you love and then you can do other stuff to support that rather than thinking, I'm going to go down the gym because I need to build muscle because I'm a woman over 40 and I know that my rate of muscle is declining and it's going to support my, ugh, it's going to get me strong so I can do better things in poles so that I can like climb more. You know, I think if you kind of just, just find your thing and then find things to support it, because I think, you know, we all need strength training, we all need some kind of mobility and flexibility stuff. So yoga is great for that. Um, you know, I, I think we do need to get a, a well-rounded um, approach. But I think, yeah, being in a gym is not going to appeal to everybody. And for some people, it's really intimidating. And I get it. Mm. Even yeah. after I trained as a PT, I would still feel intimidated sometimes going in the gym. Yeah. You're right. And it it comes back again to that holistic perspective, doesn't it? Because you said there about even with the movement and you get in the mental benefits. And then you mentioned the community as well. That's another yeah. big thing that the, the social aspect, that's another big thing for health is, is community and, and social yes. aspect. Yeah. Connection is one of the key things for health. And that's been so underappreciated. And again, I think it's one of the, 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 the things that people experienced during lockdown that, that mm. really probably surprised a lot of people um but I think yeah you know doing these things can be a great way to make connection um and I I always say like I'm, I'm big into big into my climbing um climbing is brilliant if you're quite a shy person um and you're wanting to make friends because there's always a reason to talk to somebody you're not having to put yourself out there go and introduce yourself you're literally there and you're working out a boulder route and someone will say to you have you tried this you know or, or you say what are your tips for for this and it just lends itself to getting to know people so yeah I think I think there's so many benefits to doing these different activities I think yeah you can't just be stuck in the gym yeah. even if that's your thing yeah, and like you like you say, for someone who loves the gym and they're fine with that, that's brilliant. Go with it. But it, it's finding people where they are, like you said. You know, there's, yeah. there's I there's an I have a client who's an older lady and she goes for a brisk walk pretty much every day, and that's her exercise, and that's her, that suits her perfect. You know, and and it's meeting where you're, if if you struggle to climb the stairs, 
you're not going to be going to the to the gym you're going to be you know doing basic stuff and yeah. go for go for a brisk walk or something yeah and got to start from where you are like you said um already yeah I just think that, that there's so much out there and there's so much that's accessible to us now um you know you can find groups I have a friend who does Nordic walking groups so it's like you know and that would be perfectly suited to somebody who wants to sort of you know make friends see all the scenery and and stuff so yeah. yeah yeah definitely it's out it's out there for people and again it's that benefit of having someone like a coach or somebody who just give you advice and can can point you in the direction of these things and um, i wanted to also just quickly touch on something else you said about i know you said about at one point you were you were drinking a decent amount when you maybe when you were younger did you what i know alcohol is a big thing with lots of people yeah did, you know how did you find that affect your health and did you did you have to make changes there and and what's your kind yeah. of view on alcohol I'm just overall? smiling because you said a decent amount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a decent amount. <laughs> I've never heard it described like that, but that's really made me smile. It's like, oh, it's a sense of pride in that. Um, yeah, so that that is a big thing. And that's been one of the biggest changes that I've made. Um you know, like I said, I wasn't always healthy. I actually used to be um, quite a heavy smoker up till uh, it was literally the second day of my nutritional therapy degree when I went in there that I gave up um, the second time I went in, I gave up smoking because I was like properly addicted to that. Um, giving up drinking is probably the thing I'm proudest of after the smoking because Smoking isn't socially acceptable. Um, drinking is not only socially acceptable, it's socially encouraged. And my God, if you're a woman over 35, it is just rammed down your throat. Like you just, I just, oh God. Talk about, I just sound like this really grumpy old lady. Like <laughs> loads of things just irritate me. I am a positive person. Um, but yeah, the whole like wine o'clock and oh, it's Prosecco. Oh, ooh. I just, even when I was drinking, I hated that. I felt like I was being patronized. I, I was really against that kind of um, marketing to women because, you know, I was in that gray area, that big gray area. I did not need a drink every day. I did not need it as an eye opener in the morning, but I struggled to moderate. So I live on my own. Um, I don't have like a big social life you know, most of my social life is around activities. So I can easily drink on my own. And so I wouldn't drink during the week. Um, I was actually really good in lockdown. I had like a really good control over it. But yeah, um, so Friday, Saturday, Sundays, occasional Thursday night, um, I would drink. But my tolerance just, just really, really built up. And so I've never been the kind of person milk chocolate will be my downfall never a sort of half a bar of milk chocolate back in the fridge and expect that to stay overnight same thing with a bottle of wine um so it's just very easy for me to drink a bottle of wine and not really feel any different the next day and then that kind of crept up and you know there'll be like a saturday night where i could have over the course of like sort of late afternoon i could have two bottles and not feel horrific the next day I was like, this isn't good. Um, so I was very aware that I was drinking too much and felt really crappy about it. 
hated waking up on a Sunday, just feeling really shit, thinking, why did I do this again? Um, but it's really difficult. I could kind of moderate it for a bit, but not for long. I'd gone through periods where I could go without alcohol for a month or up to three months, but it wouldn't sort of stay. I, I, I'd love to say, and then I'd go back and I kept mm. it. It just didn't happen for long. Um, and so I actually got my eggs frozen. Um, again, turned 40, thought I don't have kids yet. You know, l- let's get this done. And while I was going through the process, I said, so obviously I need to cut down on caffeine. Um, what about alcohol? And they said, well, you could have three units a week. I was thinking <laughs> three units a week. I wouldn't be able to stick to three units a night. I was like, what's the point? So I I stopped because of that. And um, actually, I just felt so good from it. And I just thought I can't justify going back. And the longer that I've done it, so I haven't drunk for almost two and a half years now. And I just can't justify going back to it. Like, I feel so good um, when I wake up especially at the weekends, I don't have that wasted day. If I'm spending Sunday morning in bed, it's because I want to. It's not because I have to. (laughs) I don't have to wake up and hide under the duvet whilst, you know, thinking about what I might have done, you know, the the night before. Um, And so, yeah, it just just became one of those things that I just felt so good. And I realised that when I was drinking, I was drinking to try to manage my emotions like, I'm a very emotional person. I'm not, I'm, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And because those emotions are just there, they can feel intense. So if I was really excited or happy, I'd have a drink. Really pissed off, have a drink. Really sad, have a drink. Really low, have a drink. You know, I still get bouts of depression. It's the worst thing for it, but it's what you turn to when you're feeling down. And so that was quite a difficult thing. But actually... Like, it's okay. I just sit with the emotions rather than trying to hide them. I recognize them and deal with them. And it's not this thing that I need to try and avoid anymore. And it's it's been a real eye-opener in a lot of ways. Um, so I know for a lot of people, it's a social lubricant. You know, you go out, you want to have a couple of drinks. You know, you'd even have drinks at home while you're getting ready to go out (laughs) and I I remember doing that in my early 20s and my mum came in the room and she's like you're the only person I know who has a drink to get ready for going out for a drink (laughs) I was like well that's what we do um but actually the lubricant is time like you think it's the alcohol that gets you sort of relaxed enough but actually we all thaw out over time um to then be able to sort of relax a little bit more socially. So, yeah, I think, you know, if anybody is curious, I think just do it for a month or so. It doesn't have to be, I think dry January is is quite harsh because, you know, January is a tough month anyway. I get it because it's straight after Christmas, but, you know, dry January, is there any, it's like more too depressing sounding words put together ever. Um you know, it, that, it, like that just sounds like the equivalent of diet, you know, like deprive yourself. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely one of the most empowering things that I've done. And I never say never. Um, you know, I don't know if, if I will drink for now. 
I can't justify it because every reason I've been through, I've not had a drink. So I know that I don't need one, but it's, it's weird. And I still have dreams sometimes where I've got drunk. And in my dream, I'm so pissed off with myself <laughs> and just feel so frustrated. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, well, well done, first of all, um, for that. And I mean, two and a half years is a good amount of time as well. Um, I think alcohol does a lot more damage than a lot of people will admit be because it's so socially accepted. I remember, so, you know, essentially I, I would, you know, binge drink on the weekend when I was out, you know, when I was younger and I got to, I was only maybe 21, 22. And I just, mm. I just decided I didn't want to be drunk anymore. Right. And and I didn't really like alcohol. I mean, obviously some people, mm. you know, enjoy it. And so I just stopped. But I remember for the rest of the time, we'd, we'd still go out on the weekend with my mates and everything. Every single person that we spoke to, no one could ever understand or comprehend or believe why, oops, now you knock something over, why I didn't <laughs> drink. Um, no, no one could ever, yeah. every time that, what, what do you mean you don't drink? Like at, at all? And people, it's, 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 it's another one of those things that just become like so much part of culture and so socially yeah. accepted that people find it weird when you don't. Yeah, but... it's, it's so weird that you have to justify not yeah. drinking. It's I know. so strange. It's, um yeah, and it's, you know, we know it's bad for us, but then we kind of justify it with these these reasons and people try and say, you know, one or two glasses a week is actually good for you, which, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I think if someone no. wants one or two glasses a week, you know, fine, have one or two glasses, but I don't think kid yourself don't that it's good for you. kid yourself that it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, if you want that resveratrol from red wine, have some blueberries in, in, in something <laughs> that that is going to be so much better. I think we have been so lied to. I'm not a big conspiracy person at all, but we have been lied to about the effects of alcohol. And, yeah. you know, for especially for women, you know, um, definitely sort of as you're coming into perimenopause, like it's the one thing that could have the biggest impact on your symptoms, your health in general, if you just stop that. Yeah, that is the the market, the market that they are really, really targeting. And I think that's what gets me so frustrated and angry with with the whole industry because actually, you know, the the, the cancer risks, the breast cancer risks are just so high. Um and you know, you'll have people, and I know people that will deliberately go out the way to buy the, the shampoo that doesn't have the parabens in and, and all of this stuff yet be chugging down the Prosecco at the weekend. And it's like, well, actually that probably had more impact than your shampoo. Like yeah. do both brilliant, but you know, yeah, I, th I think sometimes we, we can shift our priorities, but actually it just doesn't do us any favors, but it is hard. Like you said, you have to justify that. And I think that's amazing that, you did that so young. I mean, God, my yeah. life would be very different <laughs> if I'd have actually been sensible in my twenties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's I just, I just didn't want that feeling of being being drunk, and then I didn't really like alcohol. So I just, I did like mm. five, six years of nothing, and then I just started to have the odd um, drink, like just a Koppenberg with my yeah. wife, and then I did that for like a year or so, and then again, I just whenever I drank it, I made me feel horrible like not obviously she I wasn't drink or she, she would just have a you know a glass of wine uh, yeah. now and again not not that much oh well but, that, um, that helps if both of you are kind of at the same level with yeah. that yeah but yeah it, it it just made me feel rubbish again so then I I stopped again so probably 
again another four or five years that I've not um drunk wow. anything and and probably don't really plan to but yeah I think I think people are con- again you say it's 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 all about money you know the 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 alcohol industry is a huge industry yeah and so it's you know they've got it really ingrained into culture and it's hard to to change that I think especially Brit- British culture yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> we drink a lot yeah yeah it, it's pretty terrifying but yeah I just I just you know that my problem was that I loved being drunk yeah. um <laughs> you know and, and for me it kind of accelerated that sort of buzz that for some people it's their cue to stop that like it accelerates for me so I was I was never really the person that would throw up from drinking too much I would just pass out so (laughs) yeah it was just there wasn't an off switch you know if I had that off switch then yeah maybe I might still be drinking I might be able to moderate but actually you know I kind of accept that maybe I am just quite an all or nothing person with that and maybe I have got an addictive personality and so yeah, it just, it yeah. works out for me. It's another thing that people have to take into account. Again, we're talking about holistic and we're talking about personalized. And as you say, some people have that, that all or nothing and, mm. and, and, and it moderating isn't a good idea. You know, like, you know, you wouldn't say to people say about moderating bad foods, but some people can't, you wouldn't say to an alcoholic, just have one or two drinks, just moderate yeah. it because they can't. And I, and I think it's the same in food and drink and, and across this other stuff. So it's about finding out what works for you. Isn't yeah, it? because I, I would generally say like for, for people have an 80-20 approach to food, 80% of the time you're eating really, really healthy stuff. Give yourself up to 20% leeway if you want to. But I know there's certain foods that I can't moderate. Like if I buy green and black milk chocolate, that's gone. Like <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend but if I want to buy it and I accept that, then that's cool. But I'm just not going to pretend that I'm going to have a few squares and leave it in the yeah. fridge. It's not going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. So. That's it. Finding out where you are. Listen, I've taken up a lot of your time. Be- be- before you go, let me just, I'll just throw a throw a question at you. I mean, a difficult one to come up with off the cuff, but just, you know, give oh. give, give your answer. Just what, what would be your advice to someone who wants to start you know, improving themselves and getting out. Do you like, where, where would you advise them to start from? So I would, if somebody's wanting to change their health, if they've kind of decided on their health goals, I think the most important thing that you need to do is to find out where you're at and be mm. really, really honest with yourself because we all have our little story and, and not in like any kind of devious way, but we all think we're at a certain point so I think actually just take a note of where you're at and just find one thing at a time that you can change so I like to kind of work backwards from things so if I'm struggling in one area I kind of think well what could help that sometimes for me it's my sleep so if I'm struggling with training if I'm struggling to be productive it comes back to sleep. So see if you can kind of find the common denominator and find like the lowest hanging fruit that you can start with. So maybe if it's sleep, giving yourself a bedtime. If you are struggling on the alcohol front, give yourself one day a week where you don't have anything. If you are struggling with your energy levels, then start to include more protein and fats in your meals. Just find like one thing that you can do and then build on it I think really really common especially in January 
it's like that sort of Monday feeling amplified when people want to change everything at once because they feel like they're doing lots. But actually, that's bloody exhausting. You kind of you lose momentum with that. So just find one thing that you can change. Keep building on that. And then once you get to a sort of plateau, don't be afraid to call in some outside help. Get someone to be accountable to. That's just going to sort of take you off that plateau and help level you up. Yeah, brilliant. I think I think that's great advice. As you say, that one one thing at a time. Get those easy wins at first, just yeah. to, to build on. And I just be honest brilliant. where you're starting from. You yeah. know, there's zero judgment. If you actually realise that you're actually in a sort of worse off point, brilliant. The only way is up. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and before you go. Let us know where people can find you online if they want to look sure. you up, if they want to work with you. Let, let us know where they can find you. Brilliant. So I am on most of the socials. Um, so you'll find me under you by Anthea, Facebook at you.by.anthea on Instagram. Um, and of course, uh, got the website, which is youbyanthea.co.uk. So yeah, just reach out, message me if you want to chat. Um, I've also got a membership community, um, which you can check out too. Awesome. We'll, we'll put all the links for that into the show notes as well. But um, thank, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed that, Ryan. Brilliant. Um, okay. Thank you to Anthea. We will see everyone next week and let's get optimal together.